Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. A baby for Hodie. The day's date is October 5th, 6261. We are the Black Liberation Media. Excuse me, the African Liberation Media. I'm here with brothers Amos and Macaru. I want to start out with the Proud Boys, the founder, Gavin McGinnis. I quote, we will kill you. We will assassinate you. We need more violence from the Trump people. I've even killed people in my dream. Ominous warnings from this sick group. This is African Liberation Media. Brothers, take it wherever you want to take it. And BB for Hodier. And yes, those are statements that have been made by the Proud Boys. For anybody that watched the debate, when Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump to denounce white supremacists, Donald Trump said, give me a name, give me a name. And uh, he said, who, the Proud Boys? And Chris Wallace uh, said, I think he said, yes, denounce the Proud Boys. And I think Trump said, uh, Proud Boys, stand back, but stand by. <laughs> Donald Trump is honest in many ways but also is untruthful at the same time honest and he says what's on his mind but that doesn't mean what he says is the truth Hmm. um however i will say though that i think donald trump is the type of president that black people need And the reason why I say that is because when you're facing an enemy on the battlefield, it's better to see and understand who your enemy is than to be deceived by an enemy who you believe is your ally. Hmm. And if we know that the total system, this American system that has been created, is not going to work for black people, then we shouldn't get our hopes up in hoping that the person that we select is going to be good for us, we should look at each prospective candidate as the enemy. And when we think about how we can win the potential fight or battle or war against these people, we should think about strategically which person would be easier to to defeat. And I think Donald Trump would be easier to defeat only because his actions destabilizes the power structure of America. We've seen that over the past three and a half to four years. With that destabilization, if you are prepared to take advantage of that, it can work in your favor. And this is why African people have to work together. African countries have to work together in a fight for power because there's a, a battle going on right now between the Trump administration, his followers, other white nationalists, 
of the white supremacists against what would be known as the deep state, uh, the Zionists, and your other big corporations who want to push more of a global system on the entire planet. Not just from a medical standpoint with vaccinations and things like that, but they also want to push a global system of degeneracy and uh, assimilation, getting rid of individual countries' cultures and creating a system where everybody is pretty much the same and underneath their control. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump who wants to control and have power over the world as well, but is focusing on doing it from a more white nationalistic perspective. Um, this past week, Donald Trump came out on Twitter and announced that he tested positive for the coronavirus, as many people know. And there were some people who came out on social media and said that it was a fake, that Donald Trump planned this. It was, it was actually one tweet posted back on September the 18th that actually stated that Donald Trump would have an October surprise and that part of that surprise would be him announcing that he was positive for COVID-19 and then he would miraculously heal from it. Um, so it's just an example of people throw stuff out there and sometimes they look like they're geniuses even if they're just guessing. Uh, it's been other people who have stated that it's a possibility that the deep state may have spread this coronavirus amongst uh, some Trump rallies or things like that. Uh, we have no evidence to prove any of that. But what I will say is, is that uh, this COVID situation with Trump, if he did plan it, it would not be a smart move to plan, especially when you have a war going on with the deep state and you don't want to give them any opportunity to have a legitimate reason to be able to assassinate you without any type of repercussion. If Donald Trump wants to die tomorrow or if he was murdered tomorrow, they can pretty much blame it on coronavirus. And even though there will be some backlash and a lot of his followers would, 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 would be mad and may try to retaliate, they, would, they really wouldn't have the same motivation due to the fact that they wouldn't really know who to point the finger at. So um, a few things can come out of this COVID situation. One, Donald Trump can come out and look as though he has... He has uh, miraculously recovered. And to some people, they may look at that as showing signs of strength. And he can use the momentum to try to go on and get reelected. Or two, it could further expose the fact of how he handled the coronavirus in the beginning with everybody in his administration also getting sick. People could point to this and say, you know, this is why the country is in the position it's in now because you didn't take it serious enough. And now you ended up having an outbreak amongst yourselves. Uh, so it can go either way. But 
you definitely have to know that the other side is looking at this as an opportunity to use it in a negative way against him, especially after his performance in that first debate, which was horrible. <laughs> and I know some people are coming out uh, saying that Donald Trump won the debate. If you're saying Donald Trump won the debate, then you're really not being objective. And I don't know what you were watching because Donald Trump missed key opportunities to capitalize on many things. And instead of him being able to do that, he let his emotions take control over his intellect, which he does a lot. Um, but from our perspective as black people, what we should be doing in times like this is we should be strategizing about how we can move ourselves forward and make power plays, strengthen ourselves no matter who becomes the president. We know that if it's Joe Biden, then we're going to have to work with our people and continue to keep them informed and pushing towards realistic goals for power versus falling back asleep, which can easily happen through the celebrations of somebody who they believe is going to be nicer and better for them than Donald Trump. If it's Donald Trump, then the motivation will already be there because a lot of people hate Trump. But at the same time, we cannot let our people get lost into battles that really have no significant value for us and are really masked in disguise to benefit other groups and other people. Uh, interesting thing uh, about this particular situation is uh, last uh, Thursday, uh, Trump tested positive, but they didn't announce it because he didn't trust the he, they theorizing that he didn't trust the particular test, even though some people think he was already showing symptoms. Uh, and so uh, he went on the Hannity show later that uh, that uh, Thursday evening, and they got in a conversation about how Biden and Chris Wallace had put him in a trap, and he said that... Uh, you know, let me be clear again. I condemn the KKK. I condemn all white supremacists. I condemn the white boys. I mean, the proud boys. <laughs> Either or. Yeah. Freudian, Synonymous. Freudian, Freudian. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that would be like the devil condemning hell, you know, but this is, this is where, this is where they are. And it's, uh, it's good to see this 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 type of internecine conflict, you know, amongst various elements of the white supremacy dynamic, because that's what you really have here, you know, taking place. Uh, you know, the globalist, neoliberal element versus the more nationalistic element uh, represented by Trump. Uh, he said some other things in that. Uh, once again, here you go with your your kernel of truth, Jack. He he called out. Uh, what he calls Biden's super predator crime bill. And uh, he said, uh, why hasn't, why, what hasn't been condemned is his crime bill. 
where he talks about super predators. And, uh, you know, that was the worst thing. That was the worst thing that ever happened to the black community for the young men and women of the black community. Now, you know, first of all, we don't need anybody like Donald Trump trying to, trying to tell us what was the worst thing that ever happened to us. But that what, what that goes to show is that now this guy's coming out, you know, after being made to look like a fool in the, the, in the debate with this information when he could have hit Biden with it when Biden was sitting right in front of him. You know, I mean, those, you know, those are two volleys that he could have fired. He could have fired the, the super predator crime bill. He could have fired the, uh, the uh, you know, the Proud Boys thing since he had already declared the plan to be a terrorist organization. Of course, now we, all, we know all of this is just um, what our elder sister, the brilliant scholar, Dr. Marimba Ani, calls the rhetorical ethic. It's, it's merely designed for the consumption of the gullible body politic. You know, the naive uh, body politic who who suck up stuff like this. But like you said, in everything, you can find a kernel of truth. Now, as far as the the COVID, as far as the COVID event, Donald Trump has behaved recklessly. Uh, He has neglected his duty as an American president uh, to the extent that, you know, this isn't a population control thing and given the fact that it's killing killing older people i mean you know this, that's not the way to eliminate uh the control of population but uh, if any of these conspiracy theories have a kernel of truth and we, and we know that we know that there is a deep state we, the deep state killed john f kennedy on november 22nd 1963 there's no doubt in my mind about that and you know, they had their reasons, you know, for doing so. John Kennedy was, you know, I guess the only president that in certainly in my lifetime that that ever rose up to challenge various elements of um, the uh, power structure of this country. But what but what Trump, by his behavior, the way he's behaved, you know, from from the very beginning, down downplaying the potential danger uh, you know, of, uh, of, of of the spread of this virus, uh, you know, walking with, you know, going around without masks and, and uh, encouraging his followers to not wear masks, the same as, uh, you know, just like Herman Cain sitting up down there in Tulsa without a mask. Uh, but what people are pointing to, they're pointing to this uh, event where he had the uh, his Supreme Court nominee uh, at a ceremony in the Rose Garden. And they were sitting very close together, but they were outside. And you, you would think that that would lessen the possibilities of spread, but sitting that close together, not necessarily. But they had a reception afterwards. And uh, I'll just read you know, what's, what's been written about that. While the nomination ceremony was held outside of the White House, outside in the White House Rose Garden, a reception was, was held inside as well, according to the Washington Post. The Reverend John Jenkins, president of Notre Dame, told the Post that guests were told they didn't have they didn't need to wear a face mask after testing negative. Supposedly everybody was tested before they came in, but we know how the testing thing works, 
right? I mean, it doesn't necessarily show up, uh, you know, when the uh, virus, uh, you know, first invades, uh, you know, your body. And so uh, this event uh, has all the trappings of what could, what be, what, what could become uh, what they call a super spreading event. Uh, for example, uh, an example of a super spreading event was that there was a wedding in Maine. 65 people attended the wedding. Out of that 65 people, there were 175 infections that have been linked to it. This was just last month, so there still could be some more. And seven of those people have died. Now, I think as of today, about 14 people, you know, including, you know, Trump, and his wife uh, that worked, you know, in the White House or were around or attended that ceremony, including three U.S. senators, have now tested positive, uh, you know, for the virus. So if, in fact, this was a deep state action, it's all because he set himself up, you know, just flaunting the, the, the virus. And it... Uh, it, it, it brought a reminder to a lot of people who knew the history of uh, Woodrow Wilson 101 years ago. Uh, Wilson downplayed the so-called Spanish flu. Some people say it was actually the American flu, but they downplayed, he, he downplayed the, the significance of the Spanish flu. You know, he, did, he didn't take it seriously until it struck him. And... Um, the, uh, just for the record, uh, the Spanish flu killed an estimated 675,000 Americans, about 28% of the U.S. population at the time. It struck in as uh, World War I was coming to an end in 1918. Wilson apparently uh, contracted the, uh, the virus when he traveled to uh, Paris for the peace conference at the end of, of the war. And uh, they initially tried to hide it, you know, from the public because they didn't want people to know that that the uh, president of the United States was sick and could possibly uh, pass away. Uh, one of the uh, historians, uh, a presidential historian, said that the federal response to the influenza outbreak in 1918 can best be described as neglectful. Hundreds of thousands of Americans died without President Wilson saying anything or mobilizing non-military components of the U.S. government to help the civilian population. This is history repeating itself 100 and, 101 years later. I mean, this is all virtually the same thing that you see, uh, you know, with Donald, with Donald Trump today in terms of the way he's handled the situation. But, here's, but, 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 but what happened to Wilson could very well happen to Trump. Six months after contracting the flu, Wilson suffered a stroke that left him partially paralyzed and blind and effectively, effectively incapacitated him as a president. He died in February 1924, three years after leaving office. So this is what happens. I mean, you can, you can go around, you know, with your arrogance, your, your, your you know, colossal ignorance or crass ineptitude or whatever, and these things that uh, someone may have made in a, in a lab that got out there for whatever reason can can really have a devastating impact. But I just thought that was very interesting, the comparison between Wilson 101 years ago and uh, Donald Donald Trump today. 
and you know it's it, it's very interesting uh, with that comparison and like you said about the way that Trump has recklessly handled this coronavirus if you look at Putin on the other hand I've seen Putin in full uh, body suits medical body suits with uh, masks whenever he goes out into the public or areas that could be infected with COVID. Right. So That's it shows right. you the contrast in intelligence with somebody like Trump who should be smart enough to know what they can what this deep state is, is capable of is capable of doing. You would think that he would be smart enough to know that. He's not. <laughs> I'll tell you straight up. He, he's not, he, 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 you know, he knows he's in a war, but the dude is too dumb to protect himself. I mean, you know, it's just it's it it it, it, it it's quite amazing. But you know, the thing the thing that we have to be concerned about, um, there was there was a poll taken that said that sixty one percent of the American uh. Of 61% of the people polled said that they thought the United States was headed toward a civil war, and 52% said that they were locked and loaded and ready for it. Uh, you, you know, you really, it's, it's difficult to compare error, you know, just like people try to do in sports, right? And it, it there are no, they're, they're no easy, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't things don't fit exactly uh, because because one of the things would be is that who who would be the people fighting right I mean in the uh, there were enough people that uh, supported Lincoln's policies that they were willing to go to war to fight their uh, kindred you know in the in the Confederacy you know, is that the case now? I mean, you know, we don't know. I mean, the South didn't even recognize Lincoln as a president because Lincoln wasn't wasn't on the ballot in ten states in the South. He wasn't even on the ballot, right? In ten in ten states, there were four presidential candidates, and um, you know, he wasn't even on the ballot. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're just they're, there's there's so many things here. Uh, that that could erupt, but one thing we know, it, it it's just like okay, look at it like this: uh, the Confederates lost the the uh, the so-called American Civil War. They and they immediately after losing, they started immediately in Memphis, Tennessee, in 1866. There was a massacre of African people. Massacre of African people. Now, you could say, well, they were blaming black troops or whatever, but, you know, black troops certainly could, were a major factor in, in the victory of the, the United States over the Confederacy. But they immediately targeted black people in Colfax, Louisiana in 1873, even though Grant had, had sent troops into the South. Uh, by then, they weren't everywhere at one time. And there was a there was a a major uh, a massacre of, of of African people in in Colfax, Louisiana, in 1873. So so when these people erupt, when they erupt, 
we know that who who will, who will likely be the scapegoats that they are blamed for whatever reason or they'll see it as okay so if Trump wins boom we'll wipe these people out if he loses we'll wipe these people out this, this is what we have to be uh, aware of and prepared for but go ahead brother yeah I, I want to read something uh man I got some uh from out of uh Okaloosa County Florida it deals with this herd immunity you know and the question the newspaper asks is uh how many people will die? Two million. I, I uh, heard some projections today of 400,000 Americans uh, perishing by January. Uh, this article went on to say that South Korea uh, should give us some type of uh, warning heads up and that people who were cleared have been retested and found to be positive. Uh, suffice to say, then, <clears throat> it's hard to shake this virus. Uh, it, it, in a real sense, it's kind of like the some other virus that can lay dormant and come back. You know, you don't necessarily have to be re-exposed, per se. Uh, the, the criticism coming out of this red county down in Florida, where they are suffering, Floridians are suffering. You're supposed to venerate your soldiers in the war, yet these frontline people are not being prepared. Uh, once again, this is ironic and, again, contradictory. Uh, Trump classifies what we're dealing with this pandemic as a war, but yet he's not preparing his soldiers. Um, the elderly in Florida are turning against him, or so it appears. It's hard to tell racism being as irrational as it is, but, you know, essentially what he's been saying is that grandma and granddad has to die in order to salvage this economy. Uh, at some point in time, he's going to cross a line for a lot of people. His critique of the soldiers, POWs, um, decorated military medalists that he's ridiculed and make fun of. You know, this guy's crossed a lot of lines, uh, <clears throat> you know, relative to the aims, objectives of the Imperial project, it means nothing, but, uh, you know, that's another thing we can discuss too. Um, the brothers have alluded to the fact that there's an element of the deep state that, uh, would like him depose, but there's another element that supports him. You know, what are those variables? I guess we can speculate here as to what might endear him to the deep state and what are those variables that uh, raises the ire of this deep state. Uh, it seems to me, just taking a, a surface glance of it all, is that they uh, talk with Russia. You know, this uh, affinity he has with Putin runs contrary to the military-industrial complex. That would be one variable. He talked about de-emphasizing NATO. Uh, that would be another variable running contrary to the profit motives of the military-industrial complex as well as the arms-making workplace. But uh, go ahead, man. Well, I think the deep state definitely disagrees with Donald Trump's strategies in as far as 
trying to pull businesses out of various countries and bring these businesses back to America. That goes against their globalist strategy. Um, I don't really know what they would be in support of with him in regards to the deep state, except for his support for Israel, because this country has always been in support of Israel, strengthening Israel's power in what they call the Middle East. So I, I'll probably say that would probably be where they align with him. But everything else, uh, I think that he represents a direct threat against their liberal strategy of pushing uh, sexual degeneracy. I think that it's, he's a direct conflict against that. And I also think that he's a direct conflict against their global financial and and medical goals for uh, the world. Mm-hmm. Well, he, de- he definitely made a ton of money, or he's going to make a ton of money for the military-industrial complex with this treaty he negotiated with um, between uh, the Zionist state, uh, the uh, and the Gulf states, the the Emirates and uh, Bahrain, because you know both of them have both of those countries, uh, you know, soaked in oil money, and they are promising to buy a massive amount of U.S. military hardware. And the reason why he had to have the the uh, the deal with uh, with Netanyahu is because it seems that uh, Israel has the final call on who in the region gets American weapons. And they don't really mind who gets weapons as long as they can maintain their strategic advantage. And Nancy Pelosi said, she and Schumer said, they guarantee that uh, whatever whatever Israel needs to maintain a strategic advantage, that, then it will get that. So then what that means now is that, you know, your, Lock, your Lockheed Martins and and the uh, the other uh, Boeing and the other military industrial uh, corporations, uh, General Dynamics, are now going to be able to sell a ton of weapons. They're going they're going to be able to sell more weapons uh, to Israel, more to uh, Bahrain and and the Emirates. They're already selling them to Saudi Arabia. And so, I mean, this this is. This is, uh, you know, this is one thing that uh, that would endear him. But I mean, it's complex, right? I mean, there's no, no simple task. I see he's trying to. Trump is trying to pressure Yuhuru Kenyatta, the president of Kenya, to allow Kenya to be uh, to be used as a uh, drone base to fight. Uh, he says to fight Al Shabaab in Somalia. I mean, not as if they, they if they don't have enough bases to fight Al Shabaab already. But he he wants he wants to set up uh, a drone base in in Kenya that would fly you know not only over Somalia but he says would provide protection for Kenya when Kenya is you know being attacked by these jihadists. So I mean these guys, man, you know Dr. King had it right when he said uh, the American public must have the right to vote into oblivion any politician who cannot detach himself herself for militarism and ain't there's nobody in sight <laughs> there's nobody in sight who will not detach themselves from militarism i don't know how many if you all saw this story 
uh, brothers out of uh, Wolf City, uh, Texas, which is uh, north of, of Dallas. Uh, there was a brother down there, 31-year-old brother, considered to be a pillar of the community. Yeah, his name was Jonathan Price. He was killed by a police officer. Uh, he was supposedly uh, breaking up a fight. A male and a female were fighting. He attempted to break the fight up. You know, this is something that's very, you know, something that's very dangerous to try to do a lot of times because you don't know how it's going to turn out. The male started fighting him. The police officer pulled up and started, uh, began to tase this brother who was breaking the fight up. And according to Lee Merritt, according to Lee Merritt, uh, when he was being tased, his body convulsed and the police officer perceived that as a threat and shot the brother and killed him. Uh, and so yeah, there's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, lot of people that upset. This brother actually was an employee of the city. Uh, he uh, was a person that they worked with uh, the youth in the community. Uh, you know, he, he, was, he also served as a trainer. Uh, to get people in, in shape and you know now now he's been killed and you know th what what this shows once again is that uh, you know the protests in ter in terms of changing the behavior you know of these uh, race warriors in blue it's just it hasn't been effective it just it just has not been effective and so we got another brother uh, you know that you know, has been killed by the police uh, unarmed and was trying to bring peace and he was killed by the police. We are a powerless people, to quote Brother Amos Wilson, our lives hang on a thread. Both parties suck. You know, the world is collapsing and how do I want the end times to end with a slightly blue shade or slightly red shade? <laughs> this is African Liberation Media. Both parties suck. <laughs> Been here with brothers Amos and Macaroon. Yeah. Peace and blessings. They, they need to go the way of the wigs. <laughs> power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things 
are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world. 